0: All right. Well, welcome to the Monday Minute episode on the Hunt Back Country
1: podcast. This is Mark. I'm joined by Steve. How are you, Steve? Good. Yeah. Good weekend. Hanging out with family. Took the kids to a Boise State basketball game, which was fun. And my boy was just enthralled by the basketball game. My daughter was watching the cheerleaders the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> she was like standing up and dancing and trying to mimic all their things. It was pretty funny. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah.
0: Well, these Monday Minute episodes, if you're a new listener, are shorter, more informal episodes, usually Q&A based, um, to interact with you guys, the listeners of the show, and answer what you want to hear. This one in particular is a follow-up to last week when we announced um, our new K4 pack systems that are coming through Exo Mountain Gear. And so on this particular Monday Minute, we're answering your questions about the new K4 packs because we kind of teased, Steve, we did a preview, but we definitely didn't, uh, you know, it was meant to be a preview. We didn't answer all the questions, put out all the info. There's a lot more coming between uh, now and when we officially launch everything in late March, but it's uh, exciting to at least make the announcement and have it out there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, it's tricky because we want to get it out there and tease it out there, but the second we do it, All of a sudden, just a floodgate of questions come in, and I think just for everybody to, like, we're going to get to all of them. Everything will be addressed by the time the pre-orders come, right? Like, it's uh, just getting a lot and a lot and a lot of questions, which is, you know, it's cool. It's understandable that guys are excited and have questions, and we're certainly going to make sure we answer all of them and have everything ready to go when the website goes live in late March. So yeah, in this episode, we wanted to
0: address the Q&A and we encourage you guys to leave those and and still do. So if you hear questions today and think of other things, feel free to send an email to at podcasts.examountgear.com or look for the link in the show description that says leave a message. That takes you over to a website called SpeakPipe and you basically use whatever device you're on to leave us a message that comes to us directly, uh, privately. And then it's something we can play to... Um, answer questions in the future. And speaking of, let's get right to the first question that came through through Speakpipe, which is very timely for this week in particular. Hey guys, just got a question regarding um the Hunt Expo here in Utah coming up. Are you gonna have all the different hip belt sizes available on the K four to kinda try out and see what'll work? Greyhound of uh hunters, my buddy calls me, and uh Need to know how that small belt is going to fit this guy, 145 pounds, dripping wet. All right, Steve. So Hunt Expo is this week. Um, we'll be there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We will have K4 there. Talk about the logistics on sizing, fitting, trying things out, pre-orders,
1: etc. Yeah, I can't stop flapping that he's the, the greyhound of the hunters. The greyhound. <laughs> I like it. That's pretty... Pretty funny. Uh, Yeah, we'll have everything there, all the way, you know, all the frame sizes, right? So the, the four different frame heights 22, 23 and a half, 25, 26 and a half. And then we will also have all the belt sizes there. So extra small, small, medium, large, extra large. It's interesting for us, the, you know, going from K3 with just small, medium, and large, and then two frame heights to now going to K4 with five belt sizes and four frame heights. We try to have, you know, in the past, we've been able to get by with, five or six weighted packs in the booth for people to try on. We could swap out just a few things that we had to, but now it's, it got a lot more complicated and um, <laughs> it, we're kind of, it'll be, you know, we're trying to, uh, we're going to be figuring this one out on the fly of, uh, you know, we have a pretty good idea, obviously of what frame sizes and what belt size people want to try on, but we can't have, you know, take over the 20 different loaded packs to have everything in there. And you know. so that's not, yeah, that's quite not, um, an option for us. when I have that kind of space in the booth, but we'll definitely have everything there. And then if we got a, you know, you put on a medium and you want to try a small with this X frame height, we may have to swap things out, but we'll be there and ready for guys to try packs on and, and gals will have the, the women's frame there with the women's harness. So it's uh, certainly looking forward to getting there. And we mentioned, uh, I think in the past podcast about we'll have, we're going to Pat and I built some charts so we're we're the goal for us is there's one of the reasons we wanted to take them to the show is we're going to take measurements of just about every person we can that tries to pack on take a take a waist measurement and then get an approximate torso measurement and then we're going to take all all that data down and then you know all right this guy with a 36 inch waist was perfect in this large belt or whatever it is and we'll be able to compile all that and really dial in the fitting charts on the website when the website goes live so that's obviously a hurdle for us in the past is getting the correct information to customers so they can get the pack purchase that is going to fit them the best and that'll be the goal for hunt expos get these charts built up have a lot of data compiled in and and make sure that when the website goes up the uh, information is as is as accurate as possible yeah
0: it's interesting i I think people it, it is simple in a way to like choose the right size but it is interesting how In the past like with k3 a guy may be a very similar build to someone else but like not even just the size and measurement of their hips but like even hip bone placement and things like that there was some fine lines where guys really floated between sizes on hip belts in particular and that is one change with k3 to k4 is actually we went to five hip belt sizes and so there's more overlap and i would say like forgiveness um between sizes where the guys who were really floating on the line with K three should fit much more comfortably and be able to to stay within one hip belt size on a K four, even if they fluctuate weight and um have different loads, different clothes, things like that.
1: Yeah. I spent a pile of time. I felt like it was a couple months really dialing in the belt sizes to get the exact gaps that I wanted between between them. And I and I really decreased the gap between small, medium, and large. There's only, I believe it's like an inch each side of the foam. So you're talking two inches total on a small to a medium, and then medium to large jumped up like an inch and an eighth or an inch and a quarter per side. And then large to extra large jumped up quite a bit. But the, yeah, what's interesting, the one thing we'll really push people towards on K4 is taking an actual hip measurement. In the past, we've always just kind of referred to what you wear in jeans and that works if you know you have no beer belly basically if you you know your hips are the widest point but a lot of guys you know uh have a have a belly there and and then so you measure your what you wear in jeans could be 33 but you could have one guy that measures 33 and a half at the hips and the next guy who wears those same 33 pants could measure 36 and a half 37 at the hips and uh we're really going to encourage people to to push them into just take that extra time, get the correct hip measurement, and then that way when you're buying the belt, we don't have to you know worry about an exchange or you getting the wrong size or anything like that. It's just going to fit you right out the gate. Cool. This question came through kind of about
0: K two, K three, and support as we roll out K four. Hello, gentlemen. This is Dave West here. Uh, listen to your uh, recent podcast about your uh, soon to be released K four. Um am super stoked, as well as most everyone on your uh, Facebook page is uh, excited about the release of the K4. Um, I do have a question. Are you going to continue uh, with the uh, products for the K2 and the K3, uh, either for repair or addition uh, after the K4
1: is released? Thank you, guys.
0: All right. It's a great question there, Stephen. I think you know he mentioned specifically repair or addition and i think by that he meant purchasing items which are really two separate things so can you kind of speak to the future of k2 and k3 as it relates both to purchasing items as well as things like repair if that's ever needed
1: yeah k2 specifically is pretty well phased out right like you can't go buy a k2 35 or 5500 bag anymore but that was that was easier because K3 bags could go on a K2 frame. It wasn't a perfect transition. There's a few things because webbing changed in a few spots, but they they did work. K4 is obviously we talked about in the last podcast, just completely rebuilt from the ground up. New, new dimensions, new bag attachments, new buckles. There's a lot of things that I wanted to design into the new frame, and I just couldn't do it while staying compatible with the previous generation pack. So everything's, as far as the packs go, is cut and dry. Nothing fits You know, nothing's cross-compatible. The K3, we will, you know, there are thousands upon thousands of happy K3 customers out there. We're not by no means leaving anyone to high and dry. Like we will support K3 two years from now. You'll be able to jump on the website and you'll be able to get your 1800 bag or 3200 bag or a lid or accessories that you want for it. We're 100% committed to, to continue to produce that stuff. Uh, for the next two to three years and then after after two years we'll obviously just weigh what the demand is if it gets to the point where we're selling you know 10 or 20 bags you know over the course of the year like really tiny amounts then then it'll just kind of naturally phase itself out well and that's kind of what we did with k2 we produced it for a little bit, some of the parts that we need to produce, and then as demand decreased, we just, like, alright, let's make 50 more of these, and then we'll just sell them until they run out on the website, and however long that lasts, that lasts. I imagine we'll do something very similar with K3, except just, that's two to three years in the future from now. And then there are some of the accessories which will carry over, we'll, we'll put out a list and coordinate all that for everybody before we launch, so they know what they can, you know, can use from K3 on K4, and Go from there.
0: Yeah. And then separate to that is warranty, right? Repair,
1: etc. Sorry. Yeah. Warranty obviously completely separate area. We have a lifetime warranty warranty on the packs. We will take care of you um, and always make sure that you're you're good to go if you have a, a true warranty issue with the pack.
0: Yeah, there were a lot of questions that came through about compatibility. And as as you said there, Steve, the short answer is in general, things are not compatible. You can't put a K3 bag in a K four frame, vice versa. Um, even components, guys were asking, can you put a K4 hip belt on a K3 frame? No, all of that stuff, frames, bag, components such as hip belts, lids, harnesses, etc. Um, none of that's going to be compatible. K4 and anything prior, just not compatible, unfortunately. There's, as you said, Steve, some accessories. So um, some questions that have come through, just in his example, would be hey, I have a K3 system. Um can I use my K3 accessories on my K4 pack? And in certain scenarios, like you could use a K3 rifle carrier on a K4. Um, you can use K3 stash pockets on a K4. Uh, same for a bow carrier. But there's some like hip belt pouches, the crib, dry bags, etc., that wouldn't be compatible. Um, so once again, we'll we'll clearly have all of that designated as we get closer to fully launching K4. Um, but in general, I'd say things are not compatible with very few accessory exceptions that may be able to cross over. Yeah. All right. Steve. So this question came through, uh, I think it was an email, maybe an Instagram comment, one of the two, but I love this question. This guy wrote and said, why the bag size changes for K4. You guys often comment something like, if it doesn't fit in a six four hundred, you don't need it. So I'm wondering why you guys offer a bigger K4 7200 and also increased the sizes of other bags for the K4 lineup in general. It's
1: yeah, the as far as the big bags concerned, that was just feedback that we got from guys. The, the guys that are using those bigger bags, I, you know, <laughs> pretty like adamant, like I can't possibly understand how you're filling one of those things up. But people just you know some guys like to pack differently and pack the kitchen sink with them and you know there there are certainly circumstances I could see where you're that Jay Nickel mindful hunter guy he's run he was testing a K4 prototype right now and he was in British Columbia running you know it was like I don't know how cold it is this hunt just happened right like a mountain goat hunt where he's solo and going in there for. 14 days or something like that. And then, yeah, that, you know, extreme cold temperatures and things like that. And then there are those scenarios where that big bag is needed, but that was just feedback from guys. And I, I have to balance as, you know, the designer of this stuff, what I want, but also need to listen to the customers. And so I, you know, it's a balance I got to, you know, weed my way through that of like, here's what I think is best. Here's what the customers are telling me and find a happy medium. And, and that's the scenario where I thought the 6,400 was plenty big. And then we're just constant feedback that, that it needed to be bigger. And we were, you and I kind of internally talked that the, you know, the guys that want big, just want big. So it's like, all right, let's just, let's make the 64 or 7,200 and call it good. And that's what we did. And it's not, the funny thing is once you're there, the, the bag dimensions, and this really shows up in the, the, from forty eight to five thousand is I, you're only added. I think I added an inch to the depth of a sixty four hundred. So as far as like the overall width, the height, I think is relatively unchanged. But it's just an inch deeper, so it's not a whole lot of more a lot more fabric there to deal with. But that that one inch over the the length and width of the pack adds up to giving it that extra amount of cubic inches. Same thing goes with the the forty eight hundred. That was simply. Again, that's only, I think that's half an inch deeper. It's a really small difference. The We just didn't want two bags called 4,800. We didn't want to have to have a K3 4,800 and then a K4 4,800. It didn't make sense to um, have have those crossover where if someone's like, oh, I bought a 4,800 bag, and then we'd immediately have to follow that up with, well, is it a K3 or a K4 so we just decided to make it bigger, and five five thousand sounded better than forty nine hundred, right? Like we like just sounded <laughs> sounded more cleaner, and so that's what we went with. It's that one's not a lot of rocket science. Mm-hmm. And then the thirty six, that was the first bag I designed, and I this actually stemmed from my Frank Church sheep tag. I was that was the first one I started working on because that's the one I was going to be using, and I just looked at a thirty two hundred. I started kind of loading up what I was going to need for the hunt. And I was like, you know, I need a little bit more capacity. So I added an inch of depth and then made the collar a few inches taller. And that was the, that was a perfect bag layout for me for my Frank church sheep tag, used it on that hunt, used it the rest of the season. This was our, the original Pika bags that we did back in 21. The, the, you know, kind of first K forge or probably like third or fourth K four generation, but (laughs) the first one that we produced and, I really, really just fell in love with that bag size. It gave me a little bit more than the 32 could do. It really changed to, I could do anything pretty easily. I wanted out of that 3,600 and and that's, so we stuck with it. And then we will, there's a lot of questions that came up that we, you know, answered, but still guys are, you know, um, know, you're not getting it in um, everywhere you look is that we will have some sort of day bag come out this summer. I'm going to start working on it here pretty soon. And that'll be in that 1,800 to 2,000 inch range like we've had in the past. I don't know if I'm going to reinvent the wheel there either. The 1800s of an awesome little bag. I do get a lot of guys that really enjoy the 2,000. So, I might try to find a way to combine the two. We'll see. Uh, but that'll be something that comes out this summer.
0: Yeah, a lot of good stuff in there. And beyond the size change, guys, um, you know, there are layout differences on the bags. Um All that's coming we'll have videos that show it uh this week we'll we'll go ahead and mention it here in a second on the podcast but we will be posting the full specs for the weights of the complete systems and then the total capacities of the complete systems as well so if you're signed up to get the k4 updates you're going to get an update this week with all that information Um, if you have no idea what i'm talking about when i say signed up for k4 updates just make sure you go to exomountaindeer.com forward slash k4 And you can enter there to make sure that you get all future updates, new videos, everything else as we release content um, and details on this new lineup. And then if you do sign up there, you'll also be entered to win one of five pack systems that we're going to give away when we launch. Um, So we touched on backsides there. We had a question about the weight of K4 systems, and we'll cover that now.
1: Chris here, really excited about the new K4. Just wondering with the new sizes and with the new materials, will the 5000 be lighter than the 4800 from previous years? Thank you very much.
0: All right, Steve. So if you make some sort of apples, apples comparison, you said the 5000 is really not that different, not that much bigger than the 4800, which is kind of the scenario he just mentioned was the 4800 to the 5000. Is the K4 5000 lighter than the K
1: three 4,800. Uh, no, everything's gone up about two ounces. The frame itself is three ounces lighter. The bags, even though the dimension, you know, you said, you're only talking an extra half an inch of fabric running the length of the pack here and there. They went because of the zippers and I got the double pockets on the side and then the lid I made bigger. Everything went up a couple ounces on the bag size. So we essentially everything's come out to a wash if you were just straight apples to apples and I want to say I, when I just did the weights this week, a, a 5,000 is two ounces heavier, yeah, two, two right to three two ounces, three. two to three ounces heavier than a 4,800. The, obviously, I'm driven by weight. I want everything as lightweight as possible and streamlined and mm. things like that. The vast majority of our customers don't care about a couple ounces and that's something I struggle with designing is I want every you know I'm willing to like sacrifice on pocket layout as far as like how the pockets access we talked previously in that last podcast that I I, I did realize I need I want the pack wrapped with enough pockets that all the items I need to during the day are accessible and that was I was actually <laughs> you know talking about laying in bed that it was last night I was like recounting this in my head and it's like you know I just I want, when I'm hunting, I really strive to be efficient, right? Like all my, my time is best spent behind the glass or moving through the country, trying to find animals. And the last thing I want to do is mess with my backpack. And that, so as a, a total, like you're stepping back and looking at everything. That is why I just want to be lightweight. So I'll, that if I need to move, I can move. And I do notice the difference between, you know, a couple pounds here and there after a long day, that stuff adds up. And on the opposite side of that is I want everything to be as lightweight as possible, but at the same time, I don't want to have to, you know, do the whole yard sale of my pack to get to items that I need to while I'm hunting. So that's why the pocket layout around the outside just makes so much sense. So spine scope and tripod are easily accessible. Snacks are easily accessible, you know, uh, toilet paper and headlamp, all the things that we just need during the day are wrapped around the outside of the pocket uh, around side the pack. And that goes back to that, talking about that, just finding a balance of everything.
0: Yeah, and I know that you and I have had so many conversations about not making things lighter just by changing materials. And I would say that K4 is without a doubt, I mean, K3, we, you know, we really don't have issues, but K4 is like almost, I will say overbuilt, but it's stronger than ever and has more features, more storage, more organization, more capacity for like, basically, yeah, two to three ounce. "Quote unquote penalty."
1: Yeah, the K three is warranties are very rare. K four, they'll be non-existent. It's something that I've I wanted K four to be five years, ten years, fifteen years down the road. As long as you take care of it, you know. These things are going to be, they're going to hold up for a long time. There's a lot of little nuanced things in the design and how things are sewn. And obviously we've learned a lot over 10 years where fail points are, you know, what, so there's some things that are identical to K3 and other things that I've changed and tweaked and modified and and just use different material here or there, right? The K4s are going to just be absolutely bomb proof. And that's something I set out for in the, in the design. So, um, yeah, overall, extremely happy with where everything landed, and you know, yeah. So going back to weight, like yes, everything's a couple ounces heavier for me. That's you know, I would rather be the other way. I'd rather be two to three ounces lighter, to have some type of weight savings there. And you know, you know, that's that's like a feature. You like, oh, the new stuff's lighter, but at the end of the day, it's just you know, I think a lot of guys, and you, it's easy to when you're shopping to get hung up on weights, right? Like comparing company X to company Y and all this one's, you know, four ounces lighter or eight ounces lighter, whatever it is. But once you get out in the field and you start using that stuff, the, how it works, how the system works together, you know, is much more important than a few ounces. And so that's where I, again, I had to fight my urge to design everything as light as possible with K4 and just understanding understanding that that the the efficiency of how it's used and designed out in the field is more important than announced here or there cool so again all
0: those specs on capacities of all the systems um the detailed weights of all the systems and all that posted this week uh depending on when you're hearing this it's either already posted at exomountaingear.com forward slash k4 but if you're not seeing it there sign up and you will get notified uh with that update Um, Steve one last question for today and again guys we do have a ton of questions so we'll do more of these in the future uh, and feel free to send us a question and add to the list but this one um, also came through written and short and sweet is there a waterproof material option for k4 such as challenge sailcloth ultra or a similar uhmwpe fabric Uh, pause for the listeners. Those are two newer, um, highly technical fabrics um, that you're seeing hit the market and more products these days that are known to be light and waterproof. But Steve, I want you to talk about in this answer to this question about the testing you've done. But before we even get to that, I mean, it's worth saying that the Cordura that we use, the 500D Cordura um, is extremely water resistant, extremely um, and we're just careful not to say waterproof because to us, that means hundred percent, there's never any potential, um, of water penetration. And so, you know, the packs as they are now are already extremely water resistant. And if you're out in showers and storms, even really for up to a few hours, um, there's not really any concerns of moisture penetration that would affect the internal contents of your pack in any significant way by any means. And then for extended trips and, you know, really extreme conditions, um, days of prolonged moisture, et cetera, we have our internal waterproof dry bag system. So packs are already extremely water resistant. I know we wanted to explore making them more waterproof. Uh, and that's what I'd kind of love to hear about in your testing in the fabrics uh, in your answer here.
1: Yeah. So is there a waterproof option? No, There. there is no truly waterproof options on the market period with the exception of you know the the packs that are using just complete like, you know it's all pvc heavy like really heavy think um you know whitewater rafting fabrics right the i certainly had it as a goal of mine to explore can we make the packs more water resistant and i had the 500d cordura it's really interesting if we And we just did this recently because we had two different companies 500 d's and we were testing their polyurethane coatings that are on the back side of it basically took a big eight inch uh we had some i grabbed some um uh flower what the heck is the word i'm old um vases um so i grabbed some big eight inch vases uh, put rubber band and a big chunk of cordura up on top of it let it sag down into the vase about four inches filled those things completely full of water and then let it sit. And I did this on a Friday, came back in on Monday and not a single drop of water went through the Cordura, right? It kind of saturates out, but no water had actually dripped through it. All of it was still sitting on the surface. 500 D for all intents and purposes is waterproof. Like it, it holds up exceptionally well. What guys don't understand is just how much water and basically all of the water is coming in through the seams and zippers and i didn't fully understand all this frankly until i i built all this stuff so like sometime in 2021 i started i set out on this project of like it was a little sub project within k4 of i built i grabbed all sorts of different materials from xpack i grabbed some challenge sailcloth fabric that this guy's talking about i grabbed um some like dry bag fabric, different quarters with different coatings on them. And I built up all these little mini roll top dry bags. They had a center zip in the middle. I used waterproof zippers, not waterproof zippers. And I I had this theory that through different seam constructions, right? There's different ways you can connect two end pieces of fabric together that I could find something in there that was going to outperform what we've currently used in the past. And I just went out to test it. And I knew, like I said, I knew that, you know, Cordura itself is waterproof for, like I said, using that example of the vases. Um, I knew that the, that is not the issue where water comes into the fabric. Maybe over the course of a week-long hunt and the sun never comes out, that where everything's just soaking wet. And, you know, we, we've talked about that with our rain gear podcast, right? Like even this highly technical rain gear that is waterproof eventually kind of saturates through. What? uh So yeah, I built all these dry bags. That kind of they were, I don't say ten inches wide, twenty inches tall. So Anessa and that's when I sat down, sewed them all up, did different seam constructions, different zippers, all this stuff. At the and then I went home and did a what well, I was just in my shower at my house. I'd put a pillow inside each dry bag, drape like a gray T-shirt around it, and then I would put put the shower on and I I actually did the first test with like the shower on full bore, and it was like within minutes water was all in the pack like i mean that i think it was just like w- way too much pressure It'd be like being out in a monsoon or something like that out in the out in the wild so i found that just barely just turning the, the shower onto a drizzle would give me the results i was looking for and i'd let them i'd let them go for 10 minutes pull it pull it out open it up see where the water was coming in i'd let it go for you know 20 minutes 30 minutes at the end of the day it didn't matter what the fabric was sailcloth x-pack cordura um a handful of others the, the the seams and the zippers were always the fail point they always failed at the exact same time didn't matter what it was what the fabric was what the zipper was the uh everything leaked right and it was i guess it wasn't too surprising to me but i did i did think that I was going to get better performance out of the other fabrics for some reason. And that just was not the case at all. The, um, and the, it was almost the opposite uh, subtle, but there of the Cordura has a polyurethane coating on the backside of it. And it's much more, you know, it's kind of like a sticky rubber, right? Like if you poke a needle through it, it, you know, you create this initial hole, but then it'll seal itself up back behind it. The other packs that they use this laminate and there's just a, a a thin film that's kind of sandwiched in between the layers and that's your waterproof barrier. Well the second you poke a needle through that it actually makes a hole that's bigger than the needle itself, right? Like it is it you imagine if you're just, you know, pushing through that it's kind of expanding on the other side, just like a bullet going through flesh, right? Like the hole ends up being bigger than the bullet cuz it's expanding uh the you know, the fabric is getting pushed and then the the needle eventually pokes through it. One and then that seals back up, so the hole is actually bigger than the needle was, bigger than the thread was, and you add all those up on top of wherever you have a seam. It doesn't matter, you know, where you're sewing a zipper in. There's a seam on each side of that. All the vertical seams in the pack for attaching the different panels together, and those would those would leak a little bit more than the than the Cordura with the polyurethane coating because they had these larger holes perforated all the way through it. The I think that. If you wanted to make a truly, you know, it's waterproof pack without something that's technically like seam sealed, it would be like essentially a single. You could use sailcloth, you could use X pack, where you, it's just a single piece of fabric that wraps all the way around the front of it. Just a big duffel bag with no seams, except you'd have to. I was, you know, in my mind thinking how I'd build one, and it's big. The only seam would be there against the back panel of the pack, so it'd be very kind of um not exposed and that would work but then you'd be going back to hunting you'd just be stuck with a uh you know a dry friggin top loading bag that you'd have to yard sale everything you'd have no pockets on the outside of the pack to put in anything but that, w- that would be if you know waterproof was the one and only waterproof and lightweight were the one and only priorities you had and you were willing to sacrifice everything else as far as function of the pack quietness of the pack all things like that
0: yeah I guess you could do that now with our dry bag and a crib wood panel. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, you <laughs> <be> could pretty <laughs> much it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Then he's, yeah, a dry bag and a crib would certainly give you a waterproof option. Yeah, yeah. a super lightweight one too. But yeah, I was, I was frankly surprised. Like I thought the X Pack came out with a new fabric last year called X Fifty Tactical, which is a 500D laminate. It's a really burly laminate, and it's a little bit heavier than 500d just standard 500d but i was like man i, I remember i was I think i was at shot show i saw it and i was like i texted this to you I'm like got oh, this could be sweet man well like kind of started in my mind building out like oh we'll have like a our standard line which what you see now and then i was like well then we'll have like this kind of waterproof line it'll be a little bit more expensive because it's we we got the fabric we sewed up bags out of it uh, and tested it out and um And I was like, okay, it'll be a little bit more expensive, but you know, there's guys who want this more waterproof version of the pack. Maybe we'll do this. And then after building all these samples and doing all these tests, there's just absolutely no performance benefit. And like I said, if anything, it's worse than, than just using 500d Cordura. So we just didn't do it. And I'm going to keep exploring it. Like I'm certainly going to you know, I develop these hypotheses, hypothesis, and then I go out and test them. And if I find results that work, I'll do it. But this is a great example of I did. I went into it with an open mind. I was pretty convinced I could find a, a better, more water-resistant way to do it, and there's just the opposite was true. And with all those materials, um, if listeners aren't familiar with them, there's other.
0: I don't want to say trade-offs or concern. There's just they they have different attributes, is what I'll say. So like to expand on what you said, not only did you do the shower test, Steve, but as you mentioned there, we built packs with like full packs. We ran packs. I ran um, one of those on the spring bear hunt last year. And you get into things and sometimes they're stiffer, they're noisier, they're more rigid. Um, So there's just, there's a lot of attributes to balance when it comes to fabric choices. And the one that still kind of continues to check all of the boxes, the best for the application, what we're doing is 500D Yeah.
1: And that's crazy. Like when we first started XO, we were like, we're not going to use 500D. Like there's gotta be something more technical and better out there. I've been doing this for, you know, this is year 11 and I have, there's not anything that's all around better. I mean, from a durability standpoint, it's fantastic. Uh, it could be quieter, but it's it's not bad, right? Uh, it it resists water very well. It does dry very quickly. I think that's another, you know, concern for guys. That, I mean, truly, if it's soaking wet and you give it two hours of good sun exposure, maybe a little bit of wind, that thing's going to be dry again. Uh, it's lightweight. Yeah, it just checks all the boxes. It's it's like an eight or a nine out of ten, and pretty much all the boxes. Uh, it's so yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm look. I'm always open-minded to new and innovative things and you know there's some new fabrics coming out that yeah i'll I'll test but it's i'm certainly because 500d has performed so well for us and for especially from like a lifetime warranty perspective that i'm certainly if i find something i'll build and then we'll test for for years before it ever hits the market because the last thing i want to do is Find something new and cool, and like, oh, you know, you test it for maybe just a season, you don't have any issues, or you just have no idea what that's gonna hold up and look like after four seasons, five seasons. That's going back to X Pack. We used, I think it was called VX 21, which was a, a kind of a middle to lighter grade of X Pack. We used that in 2014 in basically the bag itself, the inside of the bag. And what I found, we we stopped using it and we found out pretty quickly that that thin film layer I'm talking about that the, creates the waterproof barrier inside. Once that fabric gets, you know, beat up and used and crinkled and rolled back and forth, you start developing all these little micro cracks inside that film layer. And then it just become it just leaks really bad. I, I remember I, have a, I saw this picture on my phone the other day because I had a customer bring in his pack and... We had, um, I remember looking at the inside of it and going, man, that looks funny. And then I poured water on it, let it sit there. Similar tests, like the vase test I was talking about earlier. And within a few hours, I mean, there was almost all that moisture had, had bled through to the inside of the pack. So that's certainly a consideration. Like you get this, yes, it's truly waterproof right out of the gate, but what does that look like a year down the road, four years down the road, five years down the road?
0: Awesome. Well, we can uh we'll wrap it there before we get on another topic and take a deep dive. But guys, thank you <laughs> for the questions. Uh if we didn't answer your question, again, we'll do more of these. If you have a question, send it over. Just send an email to podcast at xamonger.com. Or better yet, uh look for the link in the show description that says leave a message uh and send us your audio message. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. We will be back on Wednesday with a full-length episode. Uh, and then if you are coming to Hunt Expo, even if you're not interested in a K4 for some reason, come say, hey, come meet us. It'd be good to see you then.
1: Um, Yeah, we'll talk to you soon, whether that's in person or on the next podcast.